Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. Be fine yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time I put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 141 of the Corona Diaries. Good God. We've just been talking about Tommy Steele. Oh, for sixpence. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because I said I got half an idea this morning. And I was off. And you were off, weren't yeah. you, with half a sixpence? I was, yeah. Yeah. Better than all or nothing and all of that. And <laughs> no. I bet Tommy Steele probably didn't go outside the UK. I bet you'd have to be... Isn't, isn't The American audience aren't going to have a clue who Tommy Steele is, are they? Don't you think? Did he? No. no, he was probably in a musical. Yeah, know. he was in a few musical films, wasn't he? Mm. Mm. I'm not, I don't know which one, so... No, neither do I. There's probably one called Half a Sixpence, to be honest. There's definitely Half a Sixpence. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, which apparently is better than All of Nothing. All of Nothing. Half a penny and whatever it is. Aye. Aye. But then you said, but I can't dance. I can't <laughs> I said, tap dance. I said, yeah, I can't do the dance. <laughs> Whatever it Have is. Have you never thought about tap dancing lessons? I've got you now as some kind of all-round entertainer. I did do uh, modern jazz. Uh, did you? Down at Pi- Pineapple, yeah, for... Um, uh, well, we, I don't know, did we do the lessons? I think we did something. Yeah, we did something. When I was in the Europeans, we did a bit of uh, going down to Pineapple and working out, if right. I'm honest. Yeah. Did you have any of the pineapple attire? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, we, right. had, the, yeah, we had the gear on. The gear. <laughs> I tell I'm you. I'm loving that image. You can laugh, but until you've seen some of those girls bend down in front of you in a leotard. <laughs> Because that was that would have been kids from Fame era almost, won't it? Yeah, it probably was. See, Fergus used to rope us into it all because he was gay, and uh, well, he is gay. He's, he's, he's not cured. You can, you can like dancing if you, if you don't. <laughs> I know, but you know, I mean, most most of the male dancers are on the other team, and that's not prejudice. That's just statistics. Um. They are Ed Balls being the notable exception. <laughs> Who can say? Well, it, well, Yvette probably. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> Who can say if Ed Balls did ever stray? Um, 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 you took just took Ed Balls for a little stroll there, didn't you? I, I did, and I've forgotten what was going on <laughs> before you that. Before. You were down at Pineapple with oh, Fergus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fergus used to drag us down there. Because, um, yeah, Fergus used to like to meet other boys in Pineapple. And so we used to we used to go just to, ah, that'll be good for you. <laughs> no, that was more of a fishing impersonation. I can't, I can't remember how Ferg used to talk. 
It was a bit softer, softer Glaswegian accent, but he, you know, he, he convinces that it does the world of good. I've got you down at Pineapple now in a leotard with fish. That's what we've, that's what we've got to so far. It could have happened. It could have happened. It was the 80s. We were strange. All manner of stuff happened. Mm. Right, we so young. you did a bit of modern jazz. I did, yeah. Arlene Phillips. Wayne's, I'd sometimes see Wayne sleep in the changing room. Right. There's, there's today's um, title. <laughs> and the thing is, you could have been interviewed by Kerrang every week for a year and nobody would have got to that. <laughs> no. Would they? They wouldn't have asked and I wouldn't have told them. <laughs> you wouldn't have told. No. Probably not on Kerrang. No. <laughs> so did you never fancy a bit of tap then? I think those heavy metal um, folk kind of already have me on the kind of limp-wristed end of rock. So telling them I used to go to Pineapple would probably... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'd probably move me into another category altogether. Yes. Well, they, well, I think you perhaps were the only one in your category anyway. I mean, it couldn't have been any lonelier, the category they'd probably put you in. No, no. No, and I'm not. I'm not even pierced anywhere or tattooed, right? Which I feel is a little bit of a let, you know, letting down of the side of um, of 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 rock with a capital R. You know, if I if I was a serious and in any way proper rocker, I'd at least have some form of piercing, wouldn't I? And a couple of tattoos. Or I think one you'd of definitely have tattoos. I'd have an armful, arms full yeah. of tattoos. You'd have a sleeve, wouldn't you? I would. I would. Is that, is that, the, is that the right parlance? That's exactly the correct parlance last time I noticed. But, but right. I'm, obviously I'm not down with the rock kids. Are there many many people in the village with sleeves? Uh, yeah, one or two. Yeah. They? yeah. They're builders, I think. Though. They're, not, right. they're not venture capitalists. Right, okay. Well, so so far this morning, we've been on five minutes with stereotyped um, gay dancers and builders so far. Where, where no, would you like I'm to just, go next? I'm just saying that the ones that do have sleeves are builders. I'm not saying right. builders have to have them right. uh, any more than I'm saying much, really. No, right. Okay. Morning, how but are you? I, I'm one of the least pierced people I know, and that includes most of the women. Right. Well, I, I I had a single ear piercing, ear piercing when I was younger, but that's that's the most, and I've never had a tattoo. Yeah. Well, you were deranged at that point, weren't you? Come on. Probably was because it. it was a bit of a David Essex type of hoop thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that being a with that, when I had when I had long hair. That was a thing in the late seventies, wasn't it? The single um, ear piercing. Yeah. Well, this was this was this was late eighties because that was that was a hair rock thing. Oh. Okay. Right. Um, well, I, I'm afraid I can't comment um, on your hair rock phase. I used to stick out at Marillion gigs, really, for being <laughs> a bit too rocky. I think. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, yeah. I, and for lots of other reasons. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm glad. I well, didn't you might have done that. for a while. I, I've never stuck out at a Marillion gig. Have you not? <laughs> not during the performance, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was. I've been reading a few of the comments about last week's episode, uh, um, which, which by the way, came together okay in the end. Bearing in mind we had no clue if it was going to work. I had a good feeling about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not when we were recording it. <laughs> no, I did. Even then. 
<laughs> even then. So it all came together, and we had we had quite a lot of we had quite a lot of feedback. Uh, um, mm. I was having a, a quick look this this morning, uh, and there was something John Nicholas, um, mm. and I think he's right actually. The bath story made me think that the Crooncast should have been right, said Fred. Yeah, he's he's spot on there. Actually. And he I was did, spot on, wasn't he? I saw that comment. Is there any point doing it for this episode? An episode late. Um, I've I, also I, I, been told off for uh, for the doorknob uh, being out, being out of sync with. But I thought it was coolly out of sync. I thought it was more of a teaser knob than a, you know. <laughs> Than anything else. Are you trying to tell me that was a knob tease? It was. Right. In which case, then I thought it was perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. I I wouldn't want I wouldn't want everything to be in sync for, for TCD. Would you? No, I don't. I don't think it's an option. Frankly, you, <laughs> no, it's never whether you, whether you're dreaming of it or not, yeah, it's never going to happen. Um, but no, no, uh, yes, and and that was Lobster Linda as well. Uh, uh, I think giving you a little bit of grief on that. But oh, I've got lobster, I've got Lobster Linda's lobster wreath on the yeah, uh, up on the kitchen wall at the moment. It's on the kitchen wall. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to put it up here in the music room. But at the moment, it's actually hanging on the kitchen wall. Uh, we put it up up for Christmas. Uh, and we've not taken it down yet, but I, I will. I will probably hang it up here. I was going to take it to the racket club so that the band could share in the sheer joy of it. In fact, I will. I'll take it today because I'm going to rehearse today, and I'll show them it, and then I'll go. You can't have it, and I'll take it home out. again. Yeah, here's what you could have won. Yeah. The other thing about uh, right said Fred would have been that uh, it would have been Bernard Cribbins, and Bernard Cribbins is a national treasure, was a national treasure, it still remains a national treasure. So that would be quite nice. So maybe we should do right said Fred just because of Bernard. Bernard Cribbins, lovely. You know, yeah, absolute star. Was he absolute in? Star. Was he in the plank with Eric Sykes? He was in. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Now there's a good question. I was about to say yes, he, but I'm now not so sure because it yeah. was. He was in was Hard Days. And... He was in Hard Days Night, wasn't he? Yes, he was in Hard Days Night, and, and he was also in Doctor Who, which is why it linked in so nicely with the last episode. Oh, was he in Doctor? Who? Yes, he was Doctor. He was very, very good in Doctor Who. In one of the later ones with David Tennant, very, very good in Doctor Who. Oh yeah. So, uh, but just all round, all round top fan. And he was um, a he was a, like an old sea captain in a kids thing. Have oh, you he seen was. That? What was that called? And he's in Staithes. They shot it in Staithes, which is where I sprinkled my dad after right. uh, we cremated my dad. We sprinkled him in Staithes. So I've got a bit of a soft spot for Staithes. And Bernard Cribbins was in that kids thing where he was sat in a... Is he like, he's in a little cabin or a caravan yes, or something, isn't he? Yes, he is. I um, want to say Barnacle Bill, but it's not that, is it? It's that kind of thing. And he's overlooking the, the bay in Staithes. Hmm. Mm. He died, yeah, didn't look, he, this year? Was it this, it la was this or year? last year? Yeah, well, yeah well, it was this year. Last yeah. year. In which case, we're going to have to do right, said Fred now. I'm just going to have to, <laughs> for Bernard. I'm going to have to. Not I'm too sexy for my shirt, but... No, no. 
<laughs> yeah, if we remove the handles. Yes, yes, if you want. <laughs> I could meld seamlessly from one to the other. Meld from one to the other. Um, while we're on comments, Simon Nash, and Simon isn't Simon Nash is the fellow that actually builds TARDISes, I think, and I don't know what the plural of TARDISes is. Um, but he was a fan of Gordon in Thunderbird 4, as we got onto Thunderbirds for a while. And really? that got me back to all the Thunderbird no, no, games. Thunderbird then. 2, wasn't it? Wasn't it Thunderbird 2? Oh, I don't know. No, I think you'll find it was Thunderbird 2. The green one with the replaceable pods. Thunderbird 4. Now, wait. Which one was 4? No, Thunderbird 4 was the one that went under the sea and sat inside the pod of Thunderbird 2. Right. Did you have a dinky Thunderbird when you were a kid? (laughs) (laughs) My Thunderbird's never been dinky, darling. Uh, no, but I tell you what, yeah, I've, I, I bought Niall a Tracy Island for Christmas when it was the Christmas the present. The thing, it was the yeah, present one year, it wasn't was it? the present. And uh, where did I get it? I think Dave Megan managed to get it for me. That's Why am I linking Tracy Island to Dave Megan? I think he got it for me somehow. And, um, uh, and... And and I'll tell you another thing. No, that was it. Um, but I think we Niall then bequeathed the Tracy Island to to Vibes, so he's now got it. So I'm I'm quite familiar, if not intimate, with the Thunderbird equipment. Right. Well, that means that Tracy Island is your Instagram feed for say what Thursday, two oh. days before the pod's due out. <laughs> I will. I'll go hunting for it. I'll do my best. Yeah, I think that should be about Thursday. That should be about the right distance away. Thunderbird 2 was the one, though. I mean, that was that was the thing. I mean, Thunderbird 1 and 3 were just sort of rockets. But mm. Thunderbird 2 was this fabulous thing that, that, you know, had pods. And the palm trees used to have to fold down when it took they did, off. Yeah. You know. And then there was the poor sapper who was stuck in space. Yeah, he was number five. He was number five. Yeah, he was Major Tom, basically, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, just sat there. Yeah, yeah that's lonely, isn't it? That's that's, that's lonely. That to seems quote. like yeah. That's that that's clearly what the 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 brother that you know the 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 fourth or fifth offspring that used to got sent to the church clearly in Thunderbird times just got sent into space. Yeah, yeah, must must have been must have been a problem. Two hundred years earlier, he'd have been a rector. <laughs> He might have been a rector. It was never openly stated that he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't. a rector. We, there's, a, there's a real niche Thunderbird community that, that will be braying at this. He was definitely well, they... definitely celibate. <laughs> not a lot to shag up there, is there? <laughs> well, you're the one that's spoken to the space station. You should know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'll I'll drop someone an email. Yeah, somebody there's bound to be somebody you know that will know. That takes the Mile High Club to a, 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 another <laughs> level entirely. Yeah. Uh, Martin Gorman, mm. uh, as last last piece of feedback from last week, a mm. uh, bit of throwaway trivia uh, regarding the word droll. Mm. Okay, so there's an old uh, Scottish comedian called Chick Murray who was known as the tall droll because of his dry delivery. Right. And that in of itself is not... It's interesting, but it, it didn't pique my interest that much. What piqued my interest was that he, this guy, Chick Murray, played the headmaster 
in Gregory's Girl, which wow. took me back to that because that's a wonderful, wonderful film. Mm. And I remember this headmaster was sat in the hall playing the piano and, and, and a child came in and he just said, be away with you, small boy. And I just thought that was great. <laughs> be away with you. If you've you. not seen Gregory's Girl, watch Gregory's Girl. Yeah, it's got Fanny Ann in it, isn't it? With the uh, happy birthday. Happy yes, birthday. yes. Do, do, yes. Do, do, uh, what was she called? It'll come to me. Claire Grogan. Claire Grogan. Claire Grogan. That's right. That's right. Anyway, I said earlier on I had half an idea. Yes. Right. So my half an idea, and it kind of links last week to this week a little bit. We need our next album to chat about. I believe is sounds that can't be made. Gosh. We've got that far on. Oh. There's, you're in with a fighting chance and we're I'm remembering in with a fighting chance. something about that, yeah. But that then got me thinking, mm. because when you went to Portugal, mm. um, the, that trip that's burned on your memory, mm. um, was that Sounds That Can't Be Made writing sessions? It was. It was. I thought it would be. It absolutely it was. That was the so, big, the very beginning of of it all, you know, which didn't didn't look that promising at the time. <laughs> didn't look that promising, but, did but it? Turned out all right in the end. Turned out all right. So was that literally the beginning? Was that the that was the first time, or had you done some work at Racket? Gosh, I don't know. I couldn't stand in a court of law and answer that question. Uh, well, there's sure, a lot in TCD that wouldn't stand up in a court of law. <laughs> there is. There is indeed. And it might have to one day. That wouldn't stand up in a court. Even the stuff that would stand up at a Morellian gig wouldn't stand up in stand a court. Up in a court no. uh, but um, no, I, I would say then, all right, never nearly accurate, that that was most definitely the beginning. And that was the, 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 the very first jam session for sounds that can't be made. Right. Okay, so bearing in mind, it, like you say, it, it didn't start off on the front foot. No, I don't, I don't know if there was anything we did in Portugal that made it to the album. There might have been, you know, 15 seconds of something, but not much. Well, it, well if you did, it sounds like it must have been done from five separate rooms. <laughs> um, so, so, so bearing in mind it didn't start on the front foot, and bearing in mind the diary, we're about to pick the diary back up mm-hmm. um, in November when you go on the road in Germany. Mm. So, and you don't feel, don't answer this if you don't want to. But how did you get from a situation where you weren't best pleased with each other, uh, and 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 necessarily nobody was going to work with anybody ever again yeah. at the start of that process, to then being in a better place by the end of the summer? Well, I've got to give Mosley the credit for that. Really, he just said, "Let's just take a break, not speak to each other for a few months." And I think we even wrote a date down where we would speak to each other again. You know, um, we put it in the diary. <laughs> speak to the rest of the band. Um, you know, a cooling off period, I suppose, just to, you know, ch- check that we haven't split up or yeah. check that we still want to split up or what it, whatever it would be. Um so we just took time out, and of course, with the passing of time and bearing in mind that we're all cabbages, we couldn't remember what we were pissed off about <laughs> by the time we got back together. See, that's the advantage of five blokes, isn't it? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, there's none of that note taking. And you, in and last year on the seventeenth of July, you said this, and you did this. It's it's a bit more. Uh, oh, all right, mate. Yeah, how have you been? All right, yeah. Did we have a row? Yeah. What was it about? I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh, no, they can. Oh, all right. Then. It was a bit more like that. Yeah. Are we in a fucking huge room with really overwhelming reverb? No, we're not. Oh, well, probably all right then. <laughs> exactly. That's better. So you come back together, dating yeah. the diary, having forgotten what it was that you'd fallen out about, all fine, which but is really healthy, by the way. Really, really healthy. <laughs> um, uh, well, I mean, there wouldn't have been a TCD without it. Um, but there's a definite change, and I remember Mike saying something about this, and I remember this current conversation for with sounds about that record being, okay, it's got to be really, really good to get on sounds that can't be made, which is something, an ethos that kind of has continued since then, hasn't it? That's been yes. a change since that point. Was that a conversation point then when you all came back together? It was something Mike said. Um, I think Mike was sort of becoming aware of his, not necessarily his mortality, but his, 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 the mortality of his musical output. You know, I think he'd sort of probably pondered up in Liverpool whether how many how many more albums he had in him working with anyone. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think he even said that to us. I think he he said, "Look, you know, I'm getting old, and we all went, you're getting old.' But anyway, he went, "I'm getting old," and um, he said, "I don't, I don't know how many more albums I've got in got in me, but I'm not going to make any average ones. So be, you know, be warned. I'm only on board if the standard is really high, and we're not. There's no, you know, no more padding. So um, that was that. I think that was at that point, and it's it's remained that way with each one. Before uh, an hour before it's dark, he said." We can't allow anything on this album that wouldn't sit comfortably and proudly on, you know, on fear. Um, it's got to be of that standard or better. And I think, you know, should we or when we... Um, <laughs> I said should to cheer myself up. But when we... Um, we assemble to to move on to the next one. I'm sure that'll be the goal. You know that we don't we don't let anything on the next one that wouldn't sit proudly against you know again on 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 an hour before it's dark. If it wouldn't, then it's it's going in the bin or or it's you know it's being being it's not being pursued. So. Interesting Mike said that. Uh, and by the way, good reason never to ever let Mike anywhere near producing TCD because uh, we'd never put anything out if padding was to stop. No. Um, but then you've also got that bit of, fri not fragility around the band, but there must have been a sense of the band's mortality floating around at the same sort of time. Those two things must have chimed a little bit. Yeah, that's well, that's been floating around for a while in the very back of our heads. But I think the conclusion we've come to is that there really is no point in thinking about that. No. Because we could have been having that conversation after Brave. Yeah, yeah. 
you know. Well, John, uh, John Arneson did, didn't he? Well, I, essentially, maybe, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of, he, yeah, he felt like maybe we should all get jobs or yeah. have a, or have at least a second, second project. Um, I don't quite know which tree he was barking at with that. Whether he, whether he, you never know with managers. They might have, they might have heard a whisper from somewhere. And they might have been soft. He might have been softening us up for another proposition. Mm. But anyway, he didn't last long enough to be able to propose it. Um, so I don't quite know what, what tree John was barking up at that point. But John never got brave. He thought he, he just never got it. Well, I, when I say he never got it, he did get it, but he got it about 15 years later. And he actually mm. wrote me an email and said, I've just got brave. It's amazing. <laughs> Cheers, <Yeah>. John. <laughs> Better <Yeah>. late than never. <laughs> the thing is, if you don't get brave, you don't. You kind of don't. It's very difficult to get everything that follows it. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people don't. Um, you know, it's not. It's not piss easy music to get, is no. it? Really, our no. music. It's not. Uh, you know. I mean, there's bits of it you can whistle driving down the street, but a lot of it would take some whistling. Yeah. Oh, it'd take a lot of whistling. <laughs> somebody, somebody put a comment, drifting wildly here, but somebody put a comment the other day um, on Facebook or something. Just, is, is, there, are there, any, is there anything better musically than, than Side 2 of AOS? And, and I, I, I stopped me and I thought, I don't know if there is. I don't know if those four songs together, if there's anything better. And what? It's, um, anything anything of ours or anything at all? Anything at all. Well, well, I'll have that. Thank you very much. Um, but but again, that's another thing. Without Brave, you don't get AOS and, 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 every, and as I say, everything that comes afterwards. You don't if you don't get Brave, you really you're gonna you're gonna struggle for the for the rest the rest mm. of your your output, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to where we were. So, a bit of band's mortality, a bit of Mike's mortality sets us on the path. That ethos, that sound, that sounds that can't be made ethos. That's that's held. That's really held fast. That's that is a turning point, isn't it? Um, I or, don't or, know. Or a, I'm not a tur- not a turning point, but it was a definite change. Do you think? Do you think you can think feel so. that? I think so. Uh, maybe it was a well. It was just a determination not to have any filler on mm. anything, if at all possible. But I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I'm. One man's filler is another man's favourite moment. Mm. So it's sort of tricky. It's sort of true. I suppose if you took a thousand people and said, "Okay, which are the which are the songs on this album that are, you know, the unstoppable ones?" I don't mean necessarily our music, any music, and which are the ones that made up the numbers. A thousand people wouldn't agree, but there would be an overwhelming majority of the the ones that were hmm. the main content and yeah, the ones that uh, yeah. were the also runs. Um, 
And so bearing that in mind, and given given that there's six of us, um, if I mean the the six people in 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 our outfit, which is the band and Mike, if we can agree on anything, it's got to be pretty good because yeah. we we all have sky high. Um, what's the word? I was going to say standards, even that's not the right word. But Expectations? Yeah, or sky high. Uh, uh, Aspirations. Uh, yeah. Or, or, you know, there has to be a, a level of quality and a, and a lot of boxes being ticked at once mm. um, for it to get past the six of us. So somebody in the six, maybe two out of the six of us, are always going to call out the filler. Even if the other four are going, no, I think this is really good. Mm. You know, Pete thinks everything's great. Um, I usually think everything's great, <laughs> especially if I've come up with it. Um, but certain other people in the equation know, well, this is a lot of rubbish, blah, 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 blah. You know, so if, if it gets past all six of us, it's ticking a lot of boxes at once. Right, so at the start of this sounds that can't be made comments, and we'll come to the album, we'll come to all the other bits in more detail, and we'll start doing a bit of that next week. And um, but 2010, summer through to November. By the time we get to the diary entry today, when you're going to go and do some stuff in Holland and Germany, mm. and that includes the the deep purple stuff. Well, yeah. Had you made any progress? Can you remember? Bear in mind, the album yeah. comes out in 2012. We must have done. I think we. So, I think we must have played a new song on that Deep Purple tour, didn't we? Did we? Um, we weren't just. Um, I think there might have been a new song, if if not two new songs in that set. I can't remember. I, I, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I seem to recall that Gaza came fairly late in the process. Gaza, right? yeah, Gaza was would never even have been written under normal circs, but um, we were almost at the mixing stage when Mike said, listen to this, and he put the jams up, and we all went, fucking hell, it's good, isn't it? And I was, my heart sank because I knew what it was about, and I thought, oh, my yeah. God. I, I'm, oh, what a can of worms that is to take the lid well, off of. Well, we'll come back to that. Hold that, because we'll come back to that in, in, in future weeks. But the point being, that wouldn't have been on the Deep Purple Tour. So whatever it was no. that you came up with, it wasn't that. So it was something outside of outside of that. Yeah. But from what you're saying, by the time we get to November of 2010, you, we're in a place where we're writing sounds that can't be made. Mm. Or what would become. Mm. Sounds that can't be made. Most definitely. What song right. sounds that can't be made? Apart I from knew the, you were going to ask Apart me from that. the title track and Gaza and Invisible Inks on there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, what? Montreal, Power, Pour My Love, Sky Above the Rain. Right. Gosh. Yeah, maybe we'll have done... Maybe we might have done Power on the, the Deep Purple tour. I think Power was the first song to come together. Um, that, and that think, was that was a John lyric, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was uh, that was. Poor me. my love was the John lyric. Sorry, you're right. Poor my love was was the, the Helmer lyric that I'd had in the laptop for you know twenty thirty years. Um, 
that power was 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 my own, and I think that was the first thing that Mike had assembled and then play and uh, you, you know and I, again I was kind of thinking oh I don't know I don't know I don't know and then he 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 play he played as a mix a rough mix that he'd put together in a control room and all five of us just went bloody hell hmm. that sounds great hmm. so that that I think that one arrived. It didn't arrive fully formed, but it was fully formed early doors compared to the others. Well, the only um, one, we, other one we were missing when we went through the list was Lucky Man. Got everything else. God, yeah, we did a lot of work on that. Mm. I don't know if that ever really achieved its potential. It was close. It was close. Or maybe my idea of it has been slightly poisoned by the attempts to play it live. We 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 rehearsed that a lot and we could never quite Lucky Man's an interesting song musically because it's one of those songs that sounds much more straightforward than it is. Hmm. Um hardly any of the blinking changes or chord changes or anything happened twice. It's one of those. It sounds like it's just Verse and chorus and verse and chorus. chorus. It, it ain't. It's all over the blinking shop all the time, and it's because of that. Because be, because one verse is so similar to another verse without being the same. It's yeah. it's really hard to remember and get right. Because you think, oh shit, was that verse one that does this? Where this co- these two chords are reversed, you know. So the the co- the chords are all in the slightly different orders. Um, God knows why we did that. I think just <laughs> an attempt not to get bored, perhaps. But um, it's a sod to remember. You know, it really is. It's it's interesting when you because I'm just having a look now with what you just said. Actually, now that actually that throws it a little bit. Sounds that can't be made. An hour and thirteen minutes long. Right. That's a lot of material. Probably because of Gaza, because we were aiming at a you know a kind of sweet spot time wise, and then Gaza reared its ugly head. Ugly head. Um, and it felt so strong while we were putting it together, even at the last minute, that it uh, a made the album longer than we'd imagined it would be, and b it delayed the album. It. Uh, it put us behind, and we ended up. We ended up on that tour. Which tour? We ended up on tour, and I remember being on tour in America, um, in hotel rooms, um, working on the lead vocal for Gaza. And that tour had been supposed to be the sounds that can't be made tour, and I was still working on the song, in the hotel room. So it, it put us. It put us back in time a little bit, mm. which was um, a shame, but but worth it because sounds that can't be made without Gaza would would wouldn't be at all the album that it is. I don't think. No, and it it if you look at the length, then I was trying to I, not that it's important, but it must be a, one of the longest albums you single albums you've put out. I mean, obviously, Happiness splits over two. Yeah. Um, and I can't. And I'm try, I was trying to then think of what would come, what would be a similar sort of length. Actually, uh, marble splits into two. Um, I, I don't know. So it's, I mean, there's a lot on there, isn't there? I guess so. I mean, we probably could have lost. We prob- 
probably could have lost one or two and saved them, but we didn't in the end. No. We put them all out. Well, let's come back to that. Let's come back to a bit more in chat about the songs themselves and, and it all coming together next week. But the bit I wanted to just get as the, the backdrop was how we got from Portugal to where we started. Because uh, I kind of, that was my half idea. Was was that then? And as it turned out, that was that was then. Mm. Um, so we're going to go off, I think you're going to go to Holland first mm. for a web show gig, uh, okay. a web Holland gig. Um, before starting on Deep Purple, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Deep Purple thing when we come back. But I'll let you, uh, I'll let you do a bit of diary. Okay, here it comes. Thursday, eleventh of November, home Harlem. Looked in on Vibes, who was sleeping peacefully. He won't let me put him to bed, and he won't let me go and kiss him goodnight once he's in bed. It's as though it messes with his head for it to be all about mummy at this stage of the day. He has me filed in another box. I'm to do with entertainment, and not for last thing at night. I kiss him goodnight, and Elle reads him a story, sings him a song, and I have to leave so I must wait till he's asleep for a last look in on him. Said bye to Lynetta, who seemed okay but understandably, like me, a little subdued, and drove to Charlton to pick up Nile, who was ready when I arrived. To the Rose and Crown for a quick half with Sophie and Chris. Blimey, said the landlord, twice in a week. Said hello to one or two of the locals on my way out. Drove to the studio with Nile, where the black tour bus was already waiting. Loaded our stuff, and we were soon on our way. Drank a Bex, talking to Mark and Hammershoe, and shared a bottle of bitter with Nile before making my way to bed. Found Lynetta, and said good night. The weather was stormy. Luckily, we hadn't booked a ferry crossing. We were going onto the train and through the Channel Tunnel. I later found out that all ferries were cancelled owing to the treacherous sea conditions. I climbed onto my shelf and began the process of getting accustomed to sleeping on the road again. It felt good and I slept pretty well, although slightly conscious at various points in the night of bumps and high winds. Friday, 12th of November, Harlem. Woke up in Holland around 8am and went downstairs to discover Nile already up. Rothers was up and complaining about his night's sleep. He only managed half an hour. Had coffee and called home. The phone wasn't answered, so I texted to discover that there was a power cut in the village. It's always been the same. I go on tour and everything malfunctions. Lynetta's going to Banbury this morning and was getting vibes ready. He came on the phone to tell me he was fine and, to my delight, said, I love you, Daddy. Made my day. I went wandering in Harlem and I thoroughly recommend the place. A beautiful Dutch town. I forget just how much I like Holland until I'm there. As a society, it seems to function so much better than England. More art, more and better cafes better shops, prettier buildings and an atmosphere of relaxed social humanity. 
Public transport seems to work. Everywhere there are people on bicycles, and the people simply seem happier than their British counterparts. I found a cafe and had coffee before finding an Apple shop to buy a new battery for this laptop. The chap offered to put the machine on charge for me if I popped in later, and so I went wandering and found a hair salon where I could get my hair sorted out for the tour ahead. Now I'm in a very traditional cafe called Café Brinkman, all dark wood and stained glass and buzzing with the good people of Harlem relaxing and having lunch. I confess I'm drinking her garden at only 1.30pm, and I further confess I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and I'm more than tempted to order another. Tonight's show is for the 25th anniversary of the Web Holland, and so we can certainly expect a fabulous atmosphere from the crowd. I'm so lucky to be part of this thing that is Marillion. No longer just a band, but a family. A way of looking at the world, perhaps, and a kind of groovy church. Am I describing the Grateful Dead? I never got their music, but I understand the vibe. I have just ordered, by copying, a glass of peppermint tea. Moderation prevailing, as it so often does these days, perhaps I have grown up. Perhaps I'm bearing in mind my tour goal number one of trying to stay out of hospital. It's a glass of hot water full of leaves, more of a salad than a drink, really, and is accompanied by a small biscuit, a sachet of honey and a sachet of sugar. I have just tasted it, and it works very well without the honey and sugar, so I think I'll have it in the buff. Although I am curious to see where the honey would take it. As with all honey, there's no going back without starting again, so perhaps I'll just imagine. Oh dear, these metaphors are right in themselves. Right, back to the pond water and watching the world go by. More later. Walked back to the gig and stopped in a flower shop in search of tulip bulbs. They didn't have any, but I bought two Eskimo candles instead. Uh, that's candles shaped like Eskimos. Christmas decks. Back at the gig, sound checks seemed to last about a week, but was in fact only two and a half hours. After the unending sound check, we said hi to a chap called Theo, who had been invited in. He's gravely ill and his dream was for us to play Fantastic Place for him, so someone at the Web Holland, our Dutch fan club, had made it happen for him. It's a shame we hadn't rehearsed it, but he seemed very grateful. Back on the bus for a power nap before showtime. The gig was typically first night clunky, but I enjoyed it. The occasion, as I said earlier, was a celebration of the Web Holland's 25-year anniversary, so you might expect a rapturous response. But oddly, the crowd were a little slow to get into it. I felt very connected to the people throughout, though, and the ice eventually melted. I felt I gave a good account of myself. Niall, my son, did well looking after me. It's great to have him with us. Tomorrow will be a much tougher call. We'll play to Deep Purple's crowd in much larger halls from now on. I have mixed feelings about what to expect. There's the poignant fact that I first decided to be a rock and roll musician whilst experiencing Deep Purple in the 70s, and so to be playing alongside them all these years later is a curious feeling. <laughs> 
We'll see. Saturday, 13th of November. Trier, Germany. Slept late, rising at 11. Much better sleep last night, helped in no small part by the bus being parked for most of it. Rose and had coffee with Niall before getting into the big exhibition hall where we will open for Deep Purple tonight. It looks like it would hold 7,000 or so. There won't be much for us to do for a while, so I went and found catering and had a cup of coffee before meeting up with Phil Brown in the dressing room, where we had a contact lens tutorial. He's lent me a couple of his lenses and showed me how to put them in. I have a plus 2.5 in my right eye for reading and a plus 1 in my left eye, which has blurred my distance vision but brought middle distance into sharp focus. It's a curious feeling. I'm typing into this laptop without the use of spectacles for the first time in a few years. It'll be interesting trying to get the bloody things out again later. When I get home I'll go and try getting a proper prescription pair of lenses fitted. It should change my life for the better. It did. I'm wearing some now. Soundcheck was slightly fraught after Ian Mosley discovered his in-ear monitors were broken on one side. In the end, he decided to do the show wearing headphones. I had a good stage sound, so was feeling guardedly optimistic about the show. We're expecting to be playing to half-empty halls as we're on so early. We've put Kaylee in the set to try to pull the people in from the bar. Had a spot of dinner in catering and then back on the bus for a power nap. We went on stage at 8 o'clock to discover the hall more or less full. Fantastic. I quickly adjusted to the situation, trying to throw big shapes and perform to the back wall. Freddie Mercury at the back of my mind. What would Freddie do? To my surprise, the crowd seemed pretty open to our music and responded well to the invisible man. Who would have thought? We were going down well until gazpacho, which they didn't seem to get. Note to self. They rallied, however, later on, and we received warm applause at the end of Neverland. This all bodes well for the rest of the tour, and we came off stage with our spirits up. I looked at the clock on the dressing room wall and noticed, ruefully, that it was only 8pm in England. This is the way to tour. One hour shows and all finished by early evening. I chilled in the dressing room for a while before going out into the hall to have a quick look at Deep Purple. Don Airy was playing a fantastic solo and the band were, of course, going down a storm. Everyone in the crowd I encountered seemed to smile and quite a few shook my hand and told me they enjoyed our show. Marvellous. Tomorrow, Freiburg. And we're back. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. Yes, well, I was. I probably should have said it five minutes ago because we were chatting away quite happily, weren't we? We were back, but now we uh, are back. But but now we are back. Now we are back. One thing I was going to say, I forgot um, before about Mike, with you saying about if it's not great, it's not going on. I read an article this weekend, and I'd, I'd known this anyway, but Rick Rubin's exactly the same. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and obviously he did all that stuff with Johnny Cash. Yeah. And he did those two incredible albums with Neil Diamond. Um, 
And, I, and he, on recording that first album with Neil Diamond, Neil Diamond brought him a load of songs and he basically said they're not good enough, go away. Wow. Which, which, but as it as it happens, the album that he did with Neil Diamond, he, and whether you like Neil Diamond or not, um, this album he did with Rick Rubin's incredible. Oh well, um, I haven't heard that. I'll check that. Oh, out. Oh, it's fantastic. Rick Rubin is 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 that genius fellow without a shadow of a doubt. Hmm. Um, but I think he said the same thing to Adele when when she brought him some stuff, and he he just said it's not there. Go and, go and start again. And um, you know, great when you get a producer that'll do that. Yeah, well. Yeah, Megan used to do that, and uh, Mike Mike certainly does that. So you do need you do need someone that that won't indulge you, you know. If you've got a, because quite often if you're writing or if you're an an artist uh, and you've created something, there's a kind of a spark that happens inside your body when you realise you're onto something and you're creating something, and that. That same spark, or the feeling of that spark, can convince you that something's amazing when it's really not, and you need someone else outside of the, outside of you, you know yourself, your own your own inner workings. You need someone to go. Well, I don't know about that. You know, it's just not. It might be doing it for you, sunshine, but it's not really going to do it for the world. And somebody, some you know, someone has to say that it's not pleasant. It's not certainly not pleasant to hear. It's not pleasant to say, uh, but someone has to do it. Well, it's it's the ultimate share of respect, really, to actually say, do you know what? I'm not going to let you put your name to that because it's not good enough. Mm. It's it's actually a you know a huge respect for what you've done before. Yeah, Dave Megan said that that happened with um, uh, Bono on the Joshua tree they sent him away they said nah it's not good enough <laughs> go and sit on top of a mountain and start again <laughs> and he did you know um, and it's one of their classics isn't it mm. so there you go so there you go um, back to that diary piece I don't want to go in, into too much depth um, on there but what the bit I was interested in is the Deep Purple tour essentially support um, slots mm. on the Deep Purple tour. Um, how does that work for a band like Marillion at that stage in their career? How do you how do you adjust to that? Mm. I mean, I know you like finish. I mean, from the diary piece, you quite like coming off stage at nine o'clock but <laughs> well that was great that made a lovely change to be you know to be to be finished before you were before it was time for bed <laughs> you could stay up a bit longer <laughs> um that was good I don't know I think we all adjusted to it because all five of us had such respect for Deep Purple as I've often said, I was watching Deep Purple when I decided this was for me. This is this is what I want to do. Nothing's better than this, etc. Um, so to be sharing a stage with them and hanging out backstage with them felt like a great privilege and, and felt like um, a circle joining back up somehow. Mm. Um, although... It wasn't, but it felt like that. And it was great just um, getting to know them and um, 
so I was really happy to be doing it. I felt that their audience was probably gonna appreciate the hardest, you know, the the, the harder side of Marillion and and perhaps the softer side of us would be lost on them. But nonetheless, I don't think we. I don't think we tailored our set particularly to their to their crowd. We just we just did what we do, and uh, maybe they got half of it, or maybe they got all of it, or maybe some of them got none of it. Um, but we figured it would be a chance to pick up some new fans. Really, that 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 was all, because. When you're playing to your own fans, it's absolutely wonderful and and it's a great spiritual exchange and there's a great vibration. But, I mean, you, I wouldn't say it doesn't achieve anything because it, because it does. It, it, it cements the faith further. You know, people think, oh, this, this is the reason why this is my favourite band right now. And that's well worth... Um, sharing together but you know how many new fans you can pick up by playing to your fans is um you know obviously not that many unless they drag a reluctant mate along with them so so to be opening for someone else in the moment that you're doing it is probably not the same spiritual rush but you know and it's not the same massaging of your ego but it's it's more useful, and we we all had that in mind really. And no, I I don't remember anyone in the band having a problem with doing it, with opening for them. And to make matters better, as it were, uh, Deep Purple's ethos and their crew and the band members themselves uh, were such that we weren't we weren't choked in any way you know we didn't have any of that oh well you can't turn that up that loud because you're the opening act and you can't have the lights and you can't have this and you you can't have that um i don't remember them playing any of those games we were given free reign to do our thing which um it's quite rare, to be honest, when mm. you're opening for a band. I mean, in a band like us, we're, we're such a pain in the arse technically. We've got so many channels and we need, we need so much that, um, you know, we wouldn't let, we wouldn't let Marillion open for us. That would, I mean, we really wouldn't because Marillion would be much too much of a pain in the arse. They need too many channels. They need another desk. They'd need another monitor desk. They'd need. They'd need. They'd need. They'd need. They'd need all of this shit that you really can do without providing for an opening act. Um, so it was very cool of of Deep Purple to give us that space and that that freedom and to provide us with what we wanted technically, which they did without any kind of argument. Their crew were really nice. Um, so it well, I, I have fond memories of that, of that tour. You're kind of saying, really, that you've got to want Marillion as a in that scenario. You've got to want them as your support act, haven't you? Because it doesn't work if you don't. That's true. I suppose if there was a there was a band that I really wanted to open for us that that I was proud to have opening for us, then 
we'd be much more likely to move heaven and earth to give them what yeah. they want. Yeah. And that situation clearly, which again, it's all really healthy, isn't it? It's, it's all. Oh know, it, yeah, could... they were really they were really nice. I mean, it did. I got the feeling they really respected us. I didn't get that feeling from Ian Gillen. I don't think he. I don't think he was really engaged in anything much. He used to, I mean, um, he used to sw- he used to arrive for their shows literally fifteen minutes before they went on stage, and he'd be out of there into the limo before the, you know, audience noise had died down after the yeah. encores. So he wasn't in the building for a second longer than he had to be. I don't know if he caught our set at any point. I'd be very surprised if he did because he just wasn't there. But the rest of the band, um, especially What's-His-Face, the keyboard player, he was lovely. Um, and Roger Glover was uh, was really nice and really approachable, the bass player. Um, and the drummer, Ian, uh, Ian Pace. And the guitarist, um What's his name? Steve Morse. He mm-hmm. was um, he was lovely as well. In fact, I had that amazing moment in Hamburg where they were in the middle of Smoke on the Water and he clocked me at the side of the stage and he ran off the stage barreling people out the way and shouted in my ear about what a great singer I was and what a great frontman and then ran back on stage and carried on playing Smoke on the Water. And I was standing there thinking, did that just happen? <laughs> he, he's an incredible guitar player. I mean, the, I mean, the guitar community always knew he was an incredible guitar player. And then it just seemed to be a match made in heaven that Yeah, that I mean, out. it was just so, just so very flattering for somebody to do that in the middle of their gig. Uh, not before or after, but yeah. <laughs> during. In the middle. <laughs> Surprised didn't bring your cake over. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got some problems now. I think he's got some carpal tunnel trouble and can't play. And I've I I did read something that he wasn't. He hadn't been playing with with him for a while. Yeah, um, I think I think he's got some problems. You know, physically, that's impeding his playing. I, 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 if it's get betterable, I sincerely hope it gets better. Because he's a lovely bloke. Mm, and a great player. He's one of the ones that, about the same sort of time, you got him and you got Steve Lukather, both mm. sort of coming to the fore. Uh, who, you know, both play music, man, guitars as well. There we are. Lukather's a very nice person as well. Whenever I've, I've bumped into him several times over the years, and we've always had a very nice chat. He's a nice fellow, very, very um, approachable for, for someone who's played on so many incredible records. Yeah. Well, should we call it a day there for one four one with a with a plan now that we'll get back to we'll start sounds that can't be made kind of proper having done a little bit of a little bit of you know walking around the equipment mm. uh, and a bit of backstory we'll start getting into the the writing and the songs in a bit more detail next time yeah let's do that let's do that and I'll leave you to go off and rehearse because you're rehearsing proper aren't you now yep yeah I've got to go straight to the studio and um, get. Stuck in back to back to the coal face. Back to the coal face. 
Not before, <laughs> not before though, a heartfelt tribute to Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> Here it comes. Dad, do you know this piano's on my foot? You own it, son. I'll play it. Right, said Fred, both of us together, one each end and steady as we go. Tried to shift it, couldn't even lift it, we was getting nowhere. And so we had a cup of tea and right, said Fred, give a shout for Charlie. Up comes Charlie from the floor below. After straining, even and complaining, we was getting nowhere. And so we had a cup of tea and Charlie had a think and he thought we ought to take off all the handles and the things what held the candles. But it did no good, well I never thought it would. All right, said Fred, have to take the feet off to get them feet off, wouldn't take a mo. Took its feet off, even took the seat off Should've got us somewhere, but no So Fred said, let's have another cup of tea And I said, right on All right, said Fred, have to take the door off Need more space to shift to so-and-so had bad twinges, taking off the hinges, and it got us nowhere. And so we had a cup of tea, and right, said Fred, have to take the wall down, that there wall is gonna have to go. Took the wall down, even whip it all down, we was getting nowhere. And so we had a cup of tea, and Charlie had a think, and he said, Look, Fred, I got a sort of feeling. If we remove the ceiling with a rope or two, we could drop the platter through. All right, said Fred, climbing up a ladder with this crowbar, gave a mighty blow. Was he in trouble? Half a ton of rubble landed on the top of his dome. So Charlie and me had another cup of tea, and then we went home. Thank you, Don McCord. Thanks, Philip Tosin, or Tosin. Thanks, Les Carr. Thanks, Sharon. I got here later. Cannings. I said to Charlie, we'll just have to leave it standing on the landing, that's all. You see, the trouble with Fred is he's too hasty. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.